Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we have a jam-packed episode, so we hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, grab a cold beverage, and let's talk everything there is to know in Louisiana outdoors. Guys, you hear us talk about it all the time. Our buddy Jay Thomas over at Blind Grass Camouflage Systems offers hunters and outdoorsmen the most realistic, durable, and versatile camouflage materials available on the market today. Let me ask you something. Are you tired of constantly having to rebush your blinds every year or the smell of rotting grass in your blind? How about grass that pokes and cuts you through grass mats that have no depth in color and does not last an entire season? Well, the answer to that is probably yes, you've experienced that same scenario. And blind grass's patented synthetic blind grass will not rot, mildew, and is 100% waterproof. And it's available in mats or bundles, and it comes in natural grass color blends, or is paintable to match your unique surroundings. Folks, do yourself a favor. If you're looking to camouflage your boat blind, kayak, permanent blind, or anything else that you're looking to blend in with your surroundings, check out our friends at Blind Grass Camouflage Systems. You can visit them on the web at blindgrass.com. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is also brought to you by SRD20 Boat Products. It shouldn't be hard work. SRD20 products use advanced nanotechnologies in its formulations, explicitly designed for boat maintenance. From boat waxes for detailing to waterless washing wax products, SRD20 has boat care products that keep your boat protected from the elements and looking brand new. Visit them online at www.srd20.com and enter promo code LASTSTOP for 20% off all SRD20 products today. Hey everybody, welcome back to an all new episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. As always, I'm your host Jacob Robery and just want to thank you all for tuning in to a new episode with us this week, guys. I'm excited once again, guys, because I know I say that every week, but I have to be honest with you. Every week, whenever we get on or every new podcast episode that we are able to do, I get I get fired up, man. I get fired up because we get to sit down with all of you who tune into the show, uh, who listen to the podcast in your truck or you listen to the podcast maybe at work on your computer, wherever it may be. We appreciate you guys doing that. And I get really excited to be able to bring you guys some new content and have some new guests on the show. And that's the case this week. Um, as you can see, I'm at home this weekend. I'm located, if you're watching this on a, on video, if you're watching the video version of the podcast, you can see behind me we finally got a little bit of rain here this afternoon in South Louisiana. Uh, so I'm kind of fired up about that, I have to admit, because it has been extremely dry. Uh, I know a lot of you are waiting on rainfall right now, and it's been very, very dry. Uh, a lot of our duck holes right now are dried up. I know we need rain before the season, uh, you know, to be able to fill those duck holes up and get some water into them in order to bring some waterfowl down and hold some waterfowl. And uh, and now that we're just uh, right up at a week away from teal season to open up here in Louisiana, it couldn't be more perfect timing for this uh, this big system to come through this afternoon and dump a little bit of rainfall, at least on the uh, south. Uh, eastern portion of the state here in Louisiana, we got some rainfall this week. But guys, we're going to actually hit up 
the head up uh, Interstate 10 over to Gaydon, Louisiana this week. And we have a guest that's going to be joining us here in just a second. I'm excited to welcome him into the show, Mr. Kobe Fitch, the owner of Cajun Country Waterfowl. And we're going to get Kobe on with us right now to kind of fill us in on what his expectations are for the upcoming till season and, uh, and big duck season as well as we get ready to open big duck season up uh, down here in Louisiana right around mid-November. So we're going to talk to Kobe. Uh, Kobe has a lot of expertise in Louisiana hunting. His guide service has gained quite a bit of momentum over the last couple of years, and he has quite a uh, large social media following now too. So they are doing good work down there in Gaydon, Louisiana at Cajun Country Waterfowl. And I'm excited and interested to talk with Kobe and kind of pick his brain a little bit, guys. So without further ado, let's go ahead. Let's bring him in, get Kobe on with us, and uh, and let's get to talking waterfowl. Hey, Kobe, what's going on, man? Hey, man, you hear me okay? I can hear you loud and clear. Perfect connection right now. Hopefully, this weather behind me, you can see those big clouds behind me, man. It yeah. uh, It's got kind of rough over here this afternoon. We finally got some rainfall, man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Send it my way. Send it your way, huh? Y'all not that ain't the case on your end of the state, it sounds like. No, man, no, man. We desperately need some rain out here. I hear you. I think a lot of us down south right now need need some uh some rainfall. So well, Kobe, with that, I kind of did a, a soft introduction to who you are, but if you don't mind, introduce yourself, tell the listeners who you with and uh and kind of what you do, man. Yes, sir. So I'm Kobe Fitch and me and Andrew Prevost run Cajun Country Water Gate on Louisiana. We're a pretty small guide service, and we do teal hunts, and then we do big duck and goose hunts. Okay. Yeah, and, and I was telling everybody, I said, you guys have gained quite a, a, a bit of following over the last couple of years. So Cajun Country Waterfowl, I heard about you guys. Uh, man, I saw you all on social media. I think we, uh, you know, Lance uh, over yeah, at Go Devil. friends with Lance. That's right. Lance was telling me about you guys. He said, hey, he said, you ever run across them on social media? And I said, man, actually, yeah, I know the name. I said, I've been noticing that, man, they, they, they have some really good hunts down over there. In, a, in the rice fields down around Gaydall. And he said, yeah, he says, uh, y'all need a hookup, get to know each other, he said, and kind of uh, see about doing a podcast. And, and lo and behold, here we are. We reached out to one another. And, uh, man, glad to have you on, glad to have you come on the show. But, uh, yes. you know, uh, how long have you guys been doing the whole guiding thing, man? How'd you, how'd you been, how long have you been doing it, and how did you get into it, if you don't mind me asking? So I really have a – say a weird backstory how I all started in this because I really didn't have a hunting background as a kid actually. Um my grandpa got me into it. He basically dropped me off at the spot and said here have and he stayed in the truck let me do my thing and that's how I got started in this as an early kid and when you're a little kid trying to figure all this out watching birds not killing any you start to figure out who you need to talk to to figure all this stuff out yeah definitely yeah i mean you got to do some networking man if you uh how old were you when that was going on when he dropped you off and he just let you start hunting on your own dude i was probably about 12 years old just wow. learning the sport yeah yeah and you know it's crazy you say you didn't come up with it was your parents they didn't hunt was that something that no. they, they just wasn't into and you kind of yeah. Was your grandfather into it? Obviously, Not he was. Really. Uh, no, nope. really wasn't. 
No, really. And he yeah. just he was always a big supporter. And I really enjoyed being outdoors. And he was always there and you know, made the best of it. Well, obviously he saw something, man, to be able to get you kind of want to get you involved in the outdoors, which that in itself is kind of interesting to me. Uh, because you you know, you often hear, you know, if you have kids or you know, you have adolescents that you're trying to keep them out of trouble, trying to keep them, you know, busy doing something. You're either going to get them into some kind of sports typically, or you also oftentimes hear fishing or hunting. That's the other alternatives that you're right. going to get involved in. And that's what it sounds like he was doing with you at that age. But just to, to kind of drop you off and kind of let you find your own way and do your own thing, man, you had to really hit the ground running and kind of start learning on, on the on, on a pretty quick, uh, pretty quick deal right there, you know? Right. Right. He was an old school duck hunter. They had it easy back in those days, you know, Louisiana <laughs> prawn duck hunting in the marsh. So it really didn't take as much skill as it does now. So it, Boy, it, you, you're going to piss a lot of the old timers off when you say that type of stuff, Kobe. You got to watch it's it. It's true, man. It's true. <laughs> it's a different game nowadays trying to do this, especially professionally having people in the blind with you, man. It's a yeah. totally different game than just hunting with your buddies. Yeah, you're right about that. And I've never been a part of the guide side of it. I've been on guided hunts before, and uh, it, it is. I mean, I could just tell as a customer from the customer side of it, you know, you're not just hunting with your buddies like you do whenever you go out for fun, you know. So right. it's totally different at that point. Uh, and maybe you can kind of fill us in on some of that, but let's kind of stick with when you got into it. So whenever he was dropping you off to go out there and you were you were learning to kind of hunt on your own, where were you hunting at? Like, was it private land that he was dropping you off on? Maybe friends of the family? Was it public land? Where were you hunting at at that time? So it was friends of the family, actually, that uh, he had a good friend. And he said, y'all can, you can take your grandson out there anytime. It was actually not far from where uh, Lance Coco hunts out there in Powell Island, Kaplan. Yeah. In that area. Yeah. Yeah, we got to go down to that area last year, man. And that is waterfowl heaven down in yeah. that area man i really liked it a lot we uh we went my my oldest son and me and lance and his son uh they're our two sons play baseball together actually and uh that's they've become friends over the years and then he said hey man y'all need to come down to this area my buddy got this form out here he said and uh it's it's pretty solid and uh we made that trip last year we filmed some some video out there and man, I tell you, I would love to be able to go back or, or have a lease in that area because it's phenomenal waterfowl hunting, man. Yeah, it is, man. So, it is. so you grew up rice field hunting, is what it sounds like, kind of jumping yes, into sir. rice That's fields. All I've ever known. Probably pit blind hunting, that type of stuff, you know. Yes, and was it was it ducks that you were targeting when you started learning, cutting your teeth, or or was it kind of geese because geese are huge in that area? And we'll kind of talk about that in a little bit. Right. So it was geese. It was geese. That geese field I was hunting back then, no water. It was always plowed, set aside rice field. So it was geese. And when you're goose hunting, man, it's not like you can just go throw a few decoys out there and pray. Like you, you can almost till hunting kind of deal. It's not yeah. like that. You, I learned early on that I better learn how, how to call these suckers in or I have no shot. I tell you, man, I, I I respect all the goose hunters, utmost respect for all the goose hunting guys because last year, just going on that trip that I was talking about with Lance, man, I look at Lance in the pit blind, and he's damn near Kobe about to pass out, dude. He's blowing, oh, yeah. he's blowing on that spec call. He's trying to get those, 
and it's completely different than duck hunting, man, altogether. And for all of you listening, if you've never been on a true goose hunt in South Louisiana, you definitely advise you, man, you need to take that that trip because it's it's a completely different. Not only is it completely different than waterfowl, but it's 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 exhilarating, man. It's something that that just kind of kind of gets you going. And and Colby, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but a lot of guys that I talk to that have duck hunted their whole life. They've, they've went after ducks, you know, and then they go on a goose hunt. And a lot of those guys end up kind of flipping the script. And they, after that, they kind of get that, that goose fever and they want a goose hunt all the time. Right. Right. It's just well, something about it, man. Well, I was going to ask you, what is it about goose hunting? What you, you did it yourself. You've been hooked on it for years now. What is it that separates the goose hunting guys from the, the duck hunting guys that chase waterfowl and, and ducks year round. What is it that kind of leads a guy to say, Hey, I want to start goose hunting. It's skill to me, especially down here. I think it's just a different skill level. You know, your hides have to be on point. If you're not hiding right, you're not killing a speckle belly. That's 75% of it is hiding, right? 25% is calling knowing when to call, not to call, you know, keeping still in that blind because see movement so good, decoy placement, everything has to be perfect because when you're hunting a traffic in speckle belly down here, they already know where they're going most of the time, unless they've already been in your field. So you got to convince that bird that's flying in the sky. This is real. You need to come here. And you know, that's, that's very difficult down here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is has it changed over the years? Like I know you hear you hear the stories, and you even said it yourself. The old guys, you know, back in the day, they had it easier than they they have it nowadays. And uh, as far as just specifically the goose hunting, you know, talking about goose hunting, has it gotten tougher over the last decade or so? As when you first got into the sport, or or, or what do you see there? Honestly, man, last we had one of our better years that we ever. had. And I think a big factor into that is that Arkansas was so dry. So a lot of speckle bellies couldn't stay in Arkansas last year. So right off the rip, they came to Louisiana because we have the marsh, we have the Gulf, they have places. They know if they fly far enough south, they're going to find water and food. So we got a lot of birds last year. So last year was really a good year for us. You know? Well, good, good. And let's kind of talk about last year. Let's recap that. How So you guys over at Cajun Country Waterfowl, tell us how that concept came up a little bit, how the name come into play. Kind of give us some backstory on, hey, when did you decide to make this an official business? Kind of tell that story if you don't mind. So me and Andrew, my business partner and co-owner, we have been friends for a long time and always hunted together. One of the things about hunting down here is that leases are very expensive, very expensive. You're looking at ten to $15,000 for a good duck and goose blind down here. That's just the name of the game. And, you know, we just work both normal, normal people jobs. It's not like we come from big money or anything. So to set that expense, we took our skill that we have at hunting and started a guide service called country because where we're hunting is as cajun country as it gets you know that's so right. it's kind of the just of it honestly 
Yeah, makes a lot of sense. You're in Cajun country. I, can, I, I had a feeling that's where you were going to kind of go with the concept of the name and everything. But I, I'm always interested whenever the guides get into the whole guiding side of things. Like you mentioned a while ago, Kobe, you said, you know, it's so much different than whenever you're hunting with your buddies. And kind of elaborate on that, if you don't mind. Kind of clarify what you mean by that. So huh, there's a lot of factors when you're taking – a lot of times you're getting – first-time hunters that have never really hunted in a pit bull and if you don't hunt in a pit blind often it's not the easiest thing to shoot out of because it's so hard to brush you gotta hide in those pit blinds to kill speckle bellies it's not like a duck blind open at the top we have grass that comes over you've hunted with lance and lance knows how to brush blinds so talk about you know what you're talking about Talk about, I, I tell you what, we brush blinds, Kobe, and I thought we'd never stop pulling brush, collecting brush to throw on top. I looked at Lance and said, man, how the hell are we going to shoot out of this thing? And he started on laughing. Top. He on said, that's, that's he said you shoot straight above you, he told me. Straight above. Straight above you, he said. And trust me, he said, when you think you covered enough, he said, you're not, you're not covered enough for a goose or speckle belly, he told us. Yeah. And he was right. He was right because at first we had a couple that came in and it kind of would hover over us you know and they didn't want to commit and boy he was getting lance was getting all aggravated he was like man he says we don't have enough cover we don't have enough cover and uh we jumped out started pulling more grass throwing it on there and sure enough i thought we were way more than what we needed to be as far as cover went but he was right from the get-go we didn't have quite enough and those birds just weren't committing you know right yeah they can see so good man and that's that's really a big deal with spec hunting you know yeah now, as far as table fare goes, whenever you're talking goose, it's goose versus duck. Is goose where it's at as far as table fare goes? They call speckle bellies ribeye of the sky for the reason, man. Man, I tell you, I like them. I, can, I know that. They they are, in my opinion, some of the best tasting waterfowl, if not the best tasting waterfowl. I love them. But everybody, man, every man and everybody has a different opinion on that, so I was kind of interested to know what you thought of it. But uh, being a goose man, I'm sure you – down there and being from South Louisiana, Southwest Louisiana, I, I know you could cook. I have a good feeling that you could cook, and y'all know how to cook these things up right. Yes, sir. That's yeah, right. that's awesome, man. That's a big – I definitely think green wing will give them a good running. A fat green wing teal, man, that's hard to beat in a gravy. Yeah, talk about it. I'm with you on that. Green wing teal and a wood duck, that's probably my two yeah. favorite ducks. And then I, I would speck. tie those with the speckle belly all yeah. day long. Yeah, I agree. That speck, you just get that bigger piece of meat, and it. I loved it. Like we grilled some last year, and it was. As I tell you, that's as good as it got, man. It's it's excellent, excellent. So, but uh, but yeah, okay. So last year, obviously a pretty good year. How about the ducks last year, man? Uh, gate on in that area. How was the the ducks? I know the goose hunting was really good. Uh, you even kind of referenced that it was one of the better years last year down in that area. But what other what other species of waterfowl are y'all? killing down there and last year specifically so we shoot a lot of mallards we kill a good bit of mallards and we kill a good bit of pintail and then we always have the occasional spook that's flying around and we get him too really yeah you know what catches my attention there what you said is mallards man because i think that'll probably surprise a lot of us listening to this episode because you know you hear the, you hear the stories of oh the mallards just don't come down to louisiana like they used to and uh, and that may be a different case for y'all, Kobe. So if y'all killing quite a bit of mallards in that area, what what in your opinion is holding those mallards? 
as compared to some of the other places in Louisiana? Is it is it that they're feeding on rice? Is it a resting area for these birds coming into that area where y'all are? What's the what's the ticket in that area for in your opinion? I think a big factor that helps Gaydon out so much is White Lake White Lake Conservation Area. I think okay. White Lake plays a big key into what's holding Gaydon together. You got okay. some acres that's not hunted and that's just more set up just for waterfowl. That's a big factor. Okay. So I've heard that name before and I've heard people reference that, but I'm not familiar with it. And I probably a lot of the listeners aren't. What, what exactly delve into that a little bit, if you don't mind, if you know a little bit about it, what, what is obviously it's a conservation area you said, but what, who designed that? Who was it? The state that set it up? Was it DU? Was it any of the big organizations that came in? Who was involved in that? And, and, and how does it work? So it's basically the state. And some of it is agricultural, and then some of it is And the state actually does lottery hunts on it. You can win lottery hunts, apply to win lottery hunts. And then I think it's very expensive. They do some dotted hunts on there, but it's very expensive to get a dotted hunt. But it, I think, it's, I want to say it's like, I'm not quite sure how big it is on acreage-wise, but it's big. And uh, that's what really holds everything together down there for Gaydon. Really? So that that area holds the birds. They can come there. They don't get a ton of pressure put on them throughout the season. And that's attracting those birds, like the, especially species like mallards, like you referenced. And you think that that's trickling in. How far are you guys from where y'all are as compared to where that, that location is? So we're two miles north of White Lake. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So you guys are sitting on top of it pretty much. Correct. So the speckle bellies and ducks, most of the birds will come out of there in the mornings, go into the rice fields, feed in the rice fields in the morning. And then in the evenings, they'll head back and roost on there at night. Gotcha. So that's yeah. not what holds all of everything together down there. Yeah. You know? and, and that makes a lot of sense, obviously, if y'all sitting that close to the impoundment. So the, talk a little bit about the land that you guys are. I know you talked about how y'all y'all own the guide and service union partner, but y'all obviously you're leasing some of the agricultural land that you guys are using to take clients out. So fill us in on kind of where you are. I know you're in the Gaydon area, correct? Is that right? right. Yes. Okay. So how many acres does Cajun Country have access to for clients? Uh, you know, a little bit about, about the property itself. We have three farms. And we're kind of spread out throughout Gaydon to be on different sides of Gaydon just to have a little advantage on the birds. So we have some stuff on the east side, in the middle of Gaydon, and on the west side closer to Klon. And all our farms are rice field farms, and they're pretty much all about a section. So a section is 600 acres. Okay. Yeah, so that's quite a bit of property in each section, 600 acres. Uh, for you guys to hunt now is it just you and your partner that go out and guide or kind of tell us a little bit about like if, if i'm somebody who's maybe listening to this episode from out of state and i'm thinking about coming to louisiana and i want to go down to historic gate on louisiana i have a lot of people kobe that, that'll contact us and reach out to us uh through last stop waterfowl just asking hey is there somebody that you could refer us to do you know anything about them Kind of like, what is it that attracts, you know, uh, your clients 
to Cajun country waterfowl as compared to some of the other, uh, you know, establishments in the area throughout Louisiana. Right. So really what helps us out is that we really don't pressure our birds really hard. We try to let birds stack up somewhere, go hit them three days, get out of there, let them get back, go to another spot, rinse and repeat. That's kind of been our key to being successful down there. You know, gotcha. five blondes, just me and my business partner. So we keep, we run two every day and then we just bounce around wherever they're at, you know. Yeah. So you're, you're not overcrowding the acres that you got. It doesn't sound like at all, which is taking the pressure off of those birds, which is obviously everybody knows nowadays. Uh, the more pressure, the less likely you are to have a lot of success. Uh, so it sounds like you guys have lots of acreage to be able to access with your clients. But you, you don't have tons of guides that are, you know, overloading the property, none of that type of stuff. And it's these birds are getting an opportunity to rest, not to mention that they're right next to the impoundment that we talked about where they're resting at night. So that's, man, that's a great uh, recipe for success, it sounds like, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And pressure is really, mitigating pressure is really a big thing, man. You yeah. want those birds comfortable on your place. You want them, when you're calling at them, you want to have the feeling that they've already slept here at night and they already feel comfortable. They ate some of this rice already on my farm. That's and right. I That's exactly right. It makes sense, man. It definitely makes sense. Well, so last season, did y'all find that the birds were, okay, so we had a couple of splits last year. Obviously, Louisiana always has a couple of different splits throughout the season. Did you find that the first split was better than the second split or vice versa last year? Or did you guys kind of have consistency throughout the whole season? Um, first and second split last year was phenomenal. And normally when the birds show up, it's always good and gate on for the first two, three weeks of the season soon as they show up but there's some years that they get kind of hung up in arkansas up north don't have the weather stuff like that and it's right off the beginning you know you'll have opening weekend a big duck season which is like basically another teal season opening weekend and then after that man it gets tough some years yeah but last year the birds were here right off the rip so we were doing good from and all the way to probably the middle of third split. And on my end, it really gets tough around January because those birds are so called at by everybody. So at that point, they hell, you know, it gets Correct. tough. Yeah. yeah, and that makes sense. I think Louisiana in general, if you anybody down south hunting as far down as we are in the flyways, by January, I mean, everybody's kind of, those birds, a bit they stale. They've, been, they've seen it all. We've talked about that numerous times, and everybody always references that, how these birds are educated by that point. Uh, right. Basically, you just got to hunt the best days that you can as far as weather, weather. patterns You're go. At that point. Yep, yeah. that's right. That's exactly right. Well, sw kind of switching gears, man. I know we talked a little bit of goose. We talked a little bit of, uh, a little bit of waterfowl as far as duck species, what you guys kill on the farm during big duck season. But a big part of your business at Cajun Country Waterfowl, man, is teal. And we are now one week away. I know you itching to get out there, man. How's it looking for teal season on the, on the forums right now that you guys have? If uh, somebody's heading down the gate on Louisiana, what's the schedule looking like? Are you guys booked up? Do you have some openings? And what can you expect? What are you uh, expecting with teal season opening up next weekend? 
Yeah, man, I wish I could hunt till season, man. I've got so much grass to cut with this lawn care business. It started raining again, so I'm basically out for till season. It's kind of sucky, but I really yes. get my picks and big duck season. Got you, man. So I, I didn't know. I said I, I didn't know if y'all were going to be hunting till or if y'all were getting ready to open it up next weekend. I know our buddy Jay over at Blind Grass. I see if you're watching the video, you'll see Kobe got a Blind Grass hat on. And uh, a shout out to our buddy Jay Thomas over at Blind Grass. I know Jay's big into till hunting, Kobe. So is is he hunting some of the property? Does he help you guys out a little bit with some of the guiding, or how's that work out with Jay? Oh, with Jay Thomas? Yeah, with Jay from Blindgrass. We had cut out for a second. Well, oh, that's okay. I, I was saying, you. I know you got oh, – Go ahead. What you were saying? I was just saying, I know you oh, guys are, are know, friends uh, with Jay. Oh, yeah. Jay's really one of our good friends. Uh, and he just comes hunting with us, man. We love Jay. He's a good guy. He's a and good we dude, man. love that Blindgrass, man. Hey, it, uh, all honesty, uh, not not to blow smoke, but is the, it, his product, blind grass, man, is that not some of the best stuff you've ever seen as far as blind material goes? Just think about this. Before blind grass, we were brushing till blinds, spending hours brushing till blinds, cutting brush. Now, if you if you're on a levee that's got any green background. You put a cattle panel in, drive three T-posts, and put your blind grass in. You got a till blind built in five minutes. Last year, yeah. Jay came hunting with us, and we were just hunting a spot on a levee. We started to notice that the till were kind of starting to see us in the afternoon because the way the sun was, it was hitting us kind of in our face. So we are like, man, we need to get some blind grass. We got showed up that afternoon. Jay bought some blind grass. We built a till blind real quick, cattle panel, three T-posts, slapped the blind grass on. Not 10 minutes later, we were shooting till. 30 minutes later, out the blind with a limit of blue wings. Unbelievable, man. You know, and, and, and people, they'll hit me up because they hear us talk about them. They're a sponsor on the show for us, and Jay's a good friend of ours. And, uh, and honestly, I didn't know Jay at all, you know, and we got to know each other through the product. We met at, uh, at one of the Louisiana Sportsman shows. Down here, we started talking. Just a he's from a Kadiana man where I grew up at, and just a, a fellow coon ass. And we we hit it off real good. And he said, Man, he said, I, I you know, I have this product, come check it out. And oh, man, when I saw it, I was like immediately just impressed with it, dude. I was like, Wow, this stuff is super durable. And uh, and then when I started, he started giving me the details hey, it doesn't mold, it doesn't absorb water, none of that stuff. He said, this is truly a game changer as compared to what we were used to with the old fast grass and having the cut cut brush like you were talking about, you know. And he told me a story. He said, you know, he said, whenever I developed this stuff, he said, I went and I met with the buyers at Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops. And I think it was Gander Mound maybe at the time he told me the story, Kobe. And he said, uh, he said, they actually turned down the product because they said it was too durable. He said they they couldn't. It wouldn't disintegrate fast enough. Something that's gonna last forever. They couldn't make enough money on repeat buying. He said because it was too durable. And when he told me that, and I held it in my hand, I was like, "This stuff is it's legit, man. This is a game changer." You know? No, we stone. To, so we put this on guide blinds. We're talking blinds that get. We're we're shooting out these blinds now, and this stuff's getting beat up. And we're still on stuff that we've had for three seasons now. 
You know, yeah. you yep. can't do that with fast grass. There's no. nobody that's making it more than one season on fast grass. That's right. And that's exactly right. And this stuff's basically the same price as fast grass. So it's like, why would you even buy fast grass? No doubt. You know? No doubt. And I like I'm a I'm public land. Okay. So I'm hunting on public land. We mobile, we moving around. And uh right. and we got a boat blind. And Jay sent me, we had ordered last year some panels from him for the he makes boat blind uh kits that that'll go on just about anything. And what's also very cool with his product, Obi, is the uh bundles. You could get just bundles of the grass by itself and you could kind of fill in where you need or add some where you need. And uh right. and we did that on the boat blind and I'm talking going 70 miles an hour down the interstate to your next hunting spot. And usually fast grass, by the time the season was, you know, coming to an end, half oh, your blind was missing, you know? Right. You didn't have nothing left to it because it's flying out. But we ran up and down the interstate. We went to Venice. We went to, uh, you know, down to De Delacroix last year, all kind of places around the state. And that blind right now sitting right here on the side of me underneath my shed Looks exactly like it did the day he I, I built it and he got it to me. Oh yeah, you don't have to worry about your blinds when they're brushed with that, especially no. areas. So like for us, our dog boxes are a hard thing to brush on a pit blind to keep brushed up because your dog's always going in and out. It's where everyone comes in. So if you're just trying to brush that with just normal grass, it's almost you're always fixing it. So you put that blonde yeah. grass there, dude. That's been a game changer to keeping those areas brushed on a pit. Yeah, exactly, exactly, man. Yeah, you know? and I, I, I and can't say enough about it. As a pace. Me either, man. It's been a game changer for us, honestly. The amount of time we've saved brushing stuff has just been amazing. Yeah. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So obviously, not no till season for you. It sounds like because and guys, the reason he was talking about he's not having time to do some till hunt is because what people may not also know is that you own a lawn care service as well, Cajun Country Lawn Care Service, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. And at this time of year, man, with the lack of rain we've been having, we were laughing about it. Well, you probably need some rain. I told Kobe, I said, when we hopped on before we got it started recording, I told Kobe, I said, you know what's going to happen. And he said, what's that? I said, what's going to happen? We're going to get all this rain during duck season uh, when you need to be cutting grass and people are going to want you to cut their lawns. And he said, uh -uh. he said that ain't going to happen. I could promise you that. So, <laughs> so whether or not the grass is long and the clients are calling, you're going to be in a duck blind somewhere, Kobe. That's correct. I'll go after I'm done hunting, but I'm going to hunt right. first. That's exactly <laughs> right, man. I don't blame you a bit. I don't blame you one bit. Well, as we're getting close to, to kind of winding down right here, Kobe, as far as this year, we, we in a big drought this year. Don't have rain. We just talked about that. What, what, are we, what are we looking at, man? What's your predictions? I'm kind of interested to hear what you think this season coming up. Everybody loves to hear predictions. Waterfowl hunters are extremely, extremely reliant on predictions, weather patterns, obviously, all that. So with it being the conditions that we've had so far this summer and this year, what what are you expecting, man, as we get ready to head into November? I think we're honestly going to probably stay in this drought until the middle part of November until we start getting some bigger fronts that drop rain. So my thing would be those who have water will be doing good, especially in the rice fields, because – Right now, on Gaydon, a lot of people can't pump water at all for till season. A lot of people don't have water right now because of the salinity. 
the water's way too salty to pump in rice fields. Got you. So, That's a very good point. And, and I was about to ask you that. You answered the question there, but like why why weren't farmers able to pump in? But the salinity, explain kind of how that works as far as the area that Gaydon's located in. So Gaydon's really close. We're not that far from the saltwater line, the intercoastal. Everything south of the intercoastal is saltwater. So that's a big deal, man, because when it's not raining, you're not having fresh water coming into these canals that are flushing all the salt water out, diluting all the salt water. So the water's so salty, you can't pump it on a rice field because no rice crop is going to grow with salt water. It's not yep. good for crawfish. It's not good for anything, man. No, it's it's not, man, at all. And that's a really good point that I never even considered, man. I mean, being that close to the saltwater line, yeah, if you pumping water from those areas uh, or you are not able to pump water because it's too salty, then then what do you do in that situation, Colby? For you know, for people that are kind of wondering at that, is it is it just the season shot at that point because you can't pump water in? Or, or yeah, what happens typically in that for situation? For a lot of people down there this year, man, their season's shot right now. They're not having a till season. Oh, it's man, just, that is – that's depressing, dude. We didn't have the water in the canals to pump. Right yeah. now we're in a class four drought, which is the worst drought you can be in. We yeah. normally get 60 inches of rain. I think Gaydon has gotten like 20 inches this year. So you got yeah. to 40 inches behind on rain this year. Well, I mean, realistically, then, what's the chances by November, man? I mean, we'd it's have to get some major really, rain. It's really not. It's yeah. really not. Unless we yeah. would have a tropical storm or hurricane that would dump a lot of a lot of rain down, it's it's not looking good because one, the water's salty, but for a lot of people, the canals are dried up completely. They can't even get a ditch pump in, back a ditch pump in to flood their fields right now. Yeah. Unless you're on a deep water well, but most of everybody down there isn't on a deep water well. We all rely on what's called the Spencer Canal, which is a canal that was dug a long time ago just for the rice farmers to always be able to irrigate their fields. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, in that situation, I mean, you would have to expect that probably Southeast Louisiana, uh, you know, I look, I'm going to be honest with you. I went out this past week or last two weekends in a row and we have, you know, property that we hunt, you know, public land on in a WMA located between where you're located at and us right here in the Baton Rouge, you know, uh, Gonzalez area. And, it's the lowest I've ever seen it. I don't. I don't think we're going to be able to hunt it this year, like you were talking about. You know, and that's that's a public land, low lying area that usually relies on Mother Nature to fill it up. Uh, we ain't got the rain. I don't think we're going to get enough rain to fill it up in between now and then. So if I'm a if I'm a waterfowl hunter or somebody who's maybe thinking about coming down to Louisiana, I mean, I would almost have to say southeast portion of the state, Louisiana, like your Venice's. Uh, you know, uh, Delacro, all those type of areas, the marshes, basically the, the marshes, um, you know, of southeast Louisiana, that would probably be some of your best bet right now, huh, Kobe? Right, man. Wherever there's water out, I think this year is where the till are going to be. You know, I'll yeah. put it to you like this. On my end, every single place that has water, and there's not that many places with water. <laughs> Correct. 
Yeah, but but the place and you kind of broke up. I didn't hear that exactly, but you said the places that are holding water are loaded with teal right now. Is that what you said? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, I think let me ask you this. When when did you hear of the first batches of teal showing up this year? So I heard around I'd say around August 25th is when I heard. And that's normal when we first seen. I think around when we get that last full moon in August is normally when they're always here. You know? Yeah. Now, what about the heat this year? You think that has that is they're gonna hold around the ones that are here and people oh, that yeah. do have teal? I, I really think don't gonna... think the heat bothers the blue wings too much, man. Really? You know, they're migrating. They're migrating to get away from the cold. So I think when they come down here, they don't mind that heat at all. You know. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good point, and that's a good take. You know, a lot of people I've talked to about that, and they say, man, blue wing tail is super finicky with the temperature. You know, one day they're there. The next day you get like a little a heat, uh, you know, either it heats back up or you get a little drop, and, and they kind of move out of the area. And, and I think that might be more true probably in some of the other areas of the state. But, you know, as compared to where you guys are, Gaydon, Louisiana, rain, all those areas like that, when you got those birds at, at the buffet basically – in these rice fields, just eating this rice and resting and eating this rice. I don't think it affects those birds on that side of the state nearly as much as it does in some of the other areas. Me either. Me either. If you're all, if you have food and a good place to stay in water, you wouldn't leave until the weather kicks you out. That's how I look at it. Until it gets cooler, they're going to stay around. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. Well, okay, so well, look, as far as the season goes, you guys at Cajun Country, are, are you guys booking right now hunts for big duck season? Kind of kind of fill us yeah. in on what's going on there right now. Yeah, well, we're booking for big duck. We book up for till season. We really don't have too much left for till season, a couple afternoons, and that's about it, man. You know? Okay. We All have right. a good – bit of repeat customers that keep us busy yeah keep you busy yeah yeah i got you and if somebody wants to book a hunt with colby and the guys down at cajun country waterfowl guys if you're watching us right now on the uh, video version we have the information scrolling down across the bottom of the screen you can reach out to them but for everybody listening on audio colby go ahead and uh, tell them what's the best way to reach out to you guys find you maybe on social media where can everybody find you and reach out to you so if y'all were interested in booking a hunt y'all can just reach out to us on facebook at cajun country waterfowl send us a message and we're pretty quick on getting back to you and we'll get y'all locked in with a date and we'll get y'all on the birds these guys will get you on the birds i promise you that because if you don't believe me go check out their social media pages guys Cajun Country Waterfowl. Read the reviews. A lot of reviews have come in on the, on uh, Kobe and his crew over there. And a lot of happy customers, Kobe. You guys are doing a good thing over there, man. So uh, keep it up, and I wish you guys the best of luck this season, man. And uh, hopefully we can hook up maybe during big duck season if it's going good. Uh, we'd love to head down there and make a hunt with y'all, man. So let's, let's keep, definitely keep in make touch. That happen, my friend. Let's keep in touch on that, man. But look, Thank you so much, man, for the time tonight, uh, for joining us. And uh, we'll talk again soon, buddy. We'll, we'll touch base here right after till season. Yes, sir. Thank All you, right, man. You have a good one, Cole. You too. 
Well, guys, there you have it. That's uh, our friend Kobe Fitch down at Cajun Country Waterfowl, right out of Gate on Louisiana, historic Gate on Louisiana guy. So it was interesting to kind of get Kobe's take uh, because I, I really didn't know what to expect. We had when we talked about doing the podcast, we had talked. Uh, we said, "Hey, we're going to kind of share the information we have for each other as far as what we've seen out in the field on the podcast." So I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if they were pumping water into those fields uh, onto the forms that they got down there right now. But what he was talking about with the whole saltwater thing, that's something that kind of caught my interest and blew my mind when he brought that up. But that makes a lot of sense. Uh, they can't literally pump water into those forms right now uh, just because of the, the saltwater and the salinity uh, that's in, in those areas that they need a pump from. So that makes a that makes a lot of sense. That's something that uh is something very interesting, uh, because it's not often that we get into a drought situation, especially down south, down here in the lower portions of the flyways. Uh, I can tell you this is probably a historic year for lack of rainfall. And what Kobe said, I think he referenced it as a stage five or stage four that we're in right now as far as drought goes. That's a it's going to make the season quite a bit interesting this year. It's going to make things very, very interesting. A lot of people, uh, including ourselves, are not going to have access to areas that we that we like to hunt, that we uh, that we usually have some success in. And uh, and it's going to make everybody kind of move around and shift around this year. Uh, so, you know, I, I anticipate, especially public land, if there is uh, those of us who are hunting public land, a lot of you are. Because like Kobe said, not everybody has the money to throw it a ten or $15,000 lease. Uh, a lot of you guys are going to be looking for public land to hunt this year. And with the lack of rainfall, that amount of acreage that we have available to us as public land owners is really going to shrink down this year. So, you know, all I can say is we're going to have to stay patient this year. Uh, we do have some time between now and November. So, you know, hopefully – we don't get any major hurricanes, but uh, maybe a, a good bit of rainfall between now and then would be the best scenario for all of us. Uh, that would be beneficial to us all and uh, and help all these guys out who have guide services, that have clients that are depending on them uh, to, to make their living, you know, and have a successful waterfowl season. That's the guys that I feel for the most, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, us, we just do it for fun. But these guys who make a living and that's part of their yearly income, this is this is important, man. This is their livelihood. This is where they make a lot of their money that feeds their families and so on and so forth. So if, if you have the opportunity to come down and you don't have a place to hunt, guys, uh, call up guys like Kobe. Uh, get in touch with us here at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. We'll put you in contact with these guys, some guys that are honest guys, that are good guys, that will put you on some birds if they have the birds. And if they don't have the birds, they'll be honest enough to tell you, hey, look, it's not worth booking a trip with us right now because the birds aren't here or we don't have, you know, birds holding to the form because we, we don't have water, whatever the case may be. But we'll put you in contact with some some people that are reputable and it's going to do you right, guys. So, uh, you know, that's that's just the best that you could hope for. A little bit of rainfall between now and the end of the season. And uh, hopefully we'll have a repeat season like we did last year uh, for us here down in Louisiana and all of you who are down in the lower portions of the flyways, guys. So, well, that's all I got for you tonight. Uh, please don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe if you're watching us here on uh, on our uh, audio, or I'm sorry, our video versions of the podcast. Wherever you're seeing this podcast, give us a thumbs up, give us a like, we'd appreciate it, and give us a follow. If you're on YouTube watching it, we'd appreciate it. And for those of you who are listening to us in your truck or on audio, 
please share it with your friends. We appreciate it, guys. We love to get comments and feedback from all of you. Um, you can easily find all of our episodes on all of your major streaming platforms uh, that you get your favorite podcast at. And you can find us on social media, all the social media platforms. Just look us up at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. And uh, it's not hard to find us, guys. And don't forget to check out. Also, I highly encourage you, check out all the great sponsors that you're hearing the commercials for during this episode. Great people like Jay Thomas that we talked about over at Blind Grass. My, Stuart, my uh, friend Stuart Delcom over at SRD20 Products makes some phenomenal boat care products. Uh, Game Changer Boats, Charlie Perilou, based out of Louisiana, right here in Louisiana, uh, making a name for himself in the boat business, especially the waterfowl hunting community here in Louisiana. Great people, great guys. And also, if you're into fishing, you may be doing some cast and blast this season, making a hunt in the morning, doing some fishing in the afternoon. Check out our buddy Blake Benoit with Benoit's Performance Baits. Blake's making custom-made plastics. He's doing fishing rods now. He has a little bit of everything for the angler out there, guys. So go check out our buddy Blake uh, down the bayou right there in Raceland, Louisiana at Benoit's Performance Base. I'm sure they'll appreciate it, guys. Well, that's all we got. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. And we'll talk to you again soon, guys. Y'all take care. Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats. Or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you. Hey guys, are you tired of going to big box retail stores looking for the perfect duck call to meet your needs? Well, if that's the case and you're tired of paying high big box prices on cheap duck calls, then check out Locked On Sound Calls. Locked On Sound Calls offers hunters customized hand-turned and hand-cut reed duck calls that are some of the most realistic sounding calls in the timber and open waters today for hunters. You can visit them online at LockedOnSound.com and design your favorite duck call in just about any color combination or any design possible. They offer both acrylic and wood calls and at prices that won't break the bank. You can also visit them on social media at LockedOnSound on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok to design your perfect call and have it delivered right to your door in time for hunting season. Don't forget to mention you heard about them right here on Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Guys, let's talk fishing for a minute. When you're looking for bait and tackle for all your fishing needs, look no further than Benoit's Performance Baits. Benoit's Performance Baits offer some of the best soft plastics for bass, Sacolay and saltwater species. Rather it's a day on the water or trying to catch a mess of fish for a family fish fry or a heavy bag to win a tournament, Benoit's Performance Baits has what you need and what the fish want. You can visit us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok to place your order today with Benoit's Performance Baits.